0: Hi, I'm Lou. Welcome to Season 2 of Therapy and the Body. One thing we always have during this lifetime is our bodies. They follow us everywhere we go, sensing our excitement, fear, joy, and more. So let's include the body in the therapeutic process. Come with me. Let's explore how together. Erica Berman, she, her, is a faculty member at Beholding Relational Somatic Healing. She is a queer somatic psychotherapist who focuses on issues of abandonment, anxiety, grief, trauma, and holistic and spiritual health. She is a graduate of John F. Kennedy University Somatic Psychotherapy Master's Program and is a certified ecotherapist through Earth Body Institute. She has also studied the Hakomi Method, Theta Healing, and EMDR. She is grounded in a history of movement organizing and spent 20 years working in the sex worker rights movement organizing cultural and peer-based healing events. She holds an intersectional lens and her Jew-witch spiritual practice, as well as the tenets of Buddhism, are interwoven in her work as a somatic healer. She has a private psychotherapy practice where she primarily serves queers, Jews, and sex workers and believes wholeheartedly in the healing power of safe somatic touch for deep systemic change. Yes, you guys, my friend Erica is all these words and more, and I am so happy to be able to have her in my life as a friend and colleague. We work for Beholding Relational Somatic Healing together, and we've been on this somatic holistic journey for about five years now together, and... Last season, we had her on to talk about touch therapy more broadly, and today, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty of the ethics of touch in psychotherapy.
1: Welcome, Erica. Thank you. Thank you for that beautiful intro. (laughs) Really appreciate you having me on here again. It was really fun to talk last time, Mm. and I'm so excited. I love this topic, so I'm really excited to delve in with you here.
0: Yeah, I'm excited that we're talking about this today too, specifically around the ethics of touch. And you had a lot to do with how you're bringing that into Rush, Mm -hmm. relational somatic healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So tell us what you love about this topic. Why has it gotten your attention?
1: Well, I love to think about how we hold, how we want to show up in this realm What are ethics, really, if we kind of break it down? The dictionary says ethics are moral principles that govern a person's behavior or the conducting of an activity. So we're really working with morals and principles and kind of what is our guiding light? What are the internal rules that we have for how we want to conduct ourselves with ourselves and in the world and with the people that we're making contact with? And, you know, there's not a lot written about touch and psychotherapy and not a lot of research has been done. There's a lot, of course, done on touch and healing touch, but not so much at the intersection of touch and psychotherapy. And I think that this is the piece, this is the missing piece of the puzzle of how to move forward with bringing touch and psychotherapy more mainstream, more acceptable, for it to feel safer in the world, more professional, because there's a lot of fear around touch and psychotherapy, and it's because of what are the ethics. It's because of this inquiry, what are the ethics of touch? In the past, you know, there's been a lot of unethical behavior around touch and psychotherapy, I think it's important for us to start to hold how to bring touch and psychotherapy to light and really fleshing out what are the ethics of touch and psychotherapy is going to be a foundation for us to do that and a really important piece of the puzzle.
0: Yeah, because when I think about the therapeutic relationship, the relationship between therapist and client. It is intimate and sometimes touch happens even if it's a handshake or a hug. But because largely psychotherapists aren't taught about how to use touch, things go wrong. Right. You know, power dynamics Mm -hmm. aren't acknowledged. That's right. Or we act like touch will never happen when it does, even if you're not Mm -hmm. identifying yourself as one who includes touch in psychotherapy. That's right. You know?
1: I I think about grief. When a client is really in the throes of grief, how ethical is it to not touch, to not reach out a hand? Doesn't have to be a big touch, but a hug, you know, sitting next to somebody while they cry, keeping far away from a client while they're in that kind of a state. Is that ethical?
0: Yeah, that just that just like got to my heart because you guys imagine if you're in a room with someone and you just lost someone Mm -hmm. or your pet Mm -hmm. and your therapist is just staying away, staying away and you really need a hug. Yeah. But I understand why therapists stay away because we've been taught that we don't touch our clients.
1: Right, right. And there's a reason for that because if you look at the foundation and the beginnings of psychotherapy, there was a lot of inappropriate touch from these men in power towards their clients. Mm-hmm. So we swung the pendulum really far in the other direction, which makes sense. We do that as humans a lot when things go awry. And we really want to start to think about how do we bring the pendulum back to balance back to center into an ethical place to bring it to the light and it's already happening so let's actually think about how can we do this in our integrity how can we do this in an ethical way and that that piece I would argue and I think our orientation that we're both working with really is underlining that ethical touch is the healing in touch it's not an extra thing it's the foundation of where the healing is, consent, ongoing consent, being in our own integrity, being in connection to ourselves, being connected to the internal state of ourselves before we even touch. Those are all part of the ethics of touch. And what is the healing experience of touch?
0: Yeah. And so you guys, we're going to get into this. But as you listen, I want you to think about how including the ethics of touch actually makes touch safer for you as a therapist, if you're a therapist, and for your clients or if you're a client. Having training in this area is a part of the thing that's going to keep us all safe, going to keep us all respecting each other.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and going to keep the field of touch and psychotherapy understood and a healing space more and more as we move into the future with it.
0: Yeah, let's get into it.
1: Great. So I talked a little bit about why ethics. Why are we focusing on the ethics of touch? Because this is the healing experience. Wounding happens in touch and relating to touch and healing can happen in relating to touch. And the healing can only happen if it's done in our own integrity, in deep conversation and explanation with the client and in noticing all of the shades of consent. We want a full yes before we do touch. And the process of figuring out that full yes, not just verbally, but somatically, energetically, spiritually, to feel that full yes and get there. A lot of healing process can happen even in that part. So that's one of the reasons I find this part of what we're teaching in touch, the ethics of touch, such an exciting piece because so much positive transformation can happen in this whole slowing down this whole process of getting to where touch is really ethical and really safe.
0: Yeah, what we mean about getting a full yes That it being not only verbal, Mm -hmm. but that we're actually paying attention to our client's body. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, we're paying attention to all of the prosody, like all of the affect. We're looking at the skin. Is it changing colors? Or is there temperature? The micro movements in the face, the way the body might be turning towards or away from us, the heart rate, the breath. The tone and affect of the yes and the no? Where do the eyes go when they say yes or no? Have we really spelled out in the beginning and done a really solid assessment on the history of touch and really, really spelled out that we are okay with a no? That that they can really trust that there's not gonna be any kind of weird, messy emotional subtext if they say no, that we're gonna celebrate their no and really take our time to feel figure out. With some clients, especially clients that I have that are a little bit more oriented towards safety and relationship, we could spend weeks just figuring out proximity where do you want me in the room how does it feel to lay on the table we use a massage table for this form of touch and i'm on a really little rolly chair cuz i'm not standing over people and i'm just sitting with them where would you like me maybe we can start out and i'm all the way across the room and you can just slow down arrive in your body and feel how that feels maybe it feels good to just let me be across the room for 10 minutes while you feel yourself and you feel the safety of me giving you that space but not leaving So all of this is kind of in the basket of safe somatic touch and the healing that can happen.
0: Beautiful. And so I have a question related Mm -hmm. to that. What is necessary for the practitioner in order to be able to read all that?
1: I I love that question. Yeah, that's great. This is really going into the realm of internal state. This is something we teach in the beginning of our training because we need to connect with ourselves. (laughs) feel the vibrational tone of our soul, our spirit, our body, and really connect with where we are, how we feel in relationship to ourself, to the earth, whatever other kind of realms we connect with as well, source, if that's something that we connect with, and slow down there so that we can then come into contact with our client. But we always want to start first with connecting to self. Before I ever do touch, and I always tell my clients this, I'm going to take a moment to really feel myself. I want to be pretty regulated inside my window of tolerance before I touch a client. Yeah. And we're sharing the field. So a big part of safe somatic touch, one of the big aspects of it that's so healing is that we're co-regulating with our clients. They're feeling our nervous system and our emotional body, and we're feeling theirs, and we're sharing that energy field. And so we want to be pretty grounded and feel our life force energy. It doesn't mean just calm and kind of, you know, totally settled. Settled, yes, but also alert and to feel that life force energy move through us that we're then going to share with our client. And to feel that we are in a space where we can connect And we can feel what feels like a safe way to connect with our client. And by safe, I mean what is needed in the healing experience with the client right now in this moment to really be noticing all of the subtext, all of the micro movements that you're aware of, how you're feeling internally as you're sitting with the client, the content of what the client's sitting with. All of that, that you're holding all of that to show up in a way that might offer a new healing moment. It could just be a micro moment. But let's feel what is the new way that's missing from the client's experience so far in life, or especially in early childhood. But how the structures are showing up now for the client and what could be a gentle new way.
0: sense. can you sense. give us an example?
1: Sure. So I have a client who has been through a lot, through a lot of trauma, sexual trauma and otherwise, and in those traumatic events, her consent was really sort of blown over and not asked about. And even in early childhood, there's a lot of merging that happened with the mom. So she's really used to not even being aware of where her consent needs are, let alone having somebody actually slow down, ask and be with it. And there's a lot of, you know, people pleasing in the system. That's how she survived. So I really want to celebrate what's happened, how she survives, but maybe there's something else that can happen with us. And so as we're starting to work together, the work is really slowing down. And for her to feel that I'm really on board with the pace that she needs that we're not here to speed up and get to the touch. And this is something I tell clients over and over. All of the, what we call like all of the container that is all clinical, meaning that everything that we're doing around getting set up for touch, including the fact that I have a massage table in my therapy office, which is quite different, even if we're not even going to the table, just the presence of the table itself is part of safe somatic touch. And then talking about it, assessing, we want to do a really, you know, thorough assessment of people's relationship to touch and what comes up when we talk about touch. But with this client, it was really about the slowness, just really slowing down. And I don't need to, you know, get close and do touch right away. We took a couple sessions of her just laying on the table and just noticing what came up and feeling the slowness in her body and feeling the permission of really going slow and my patience. And at some point, I was able to just hold her feet. And it wasn't, you know, feet is really nice for somebody that's oriented this way because we're in connection, but they have a lot of space. They have space to breathe. They have space to move their arms around. I'm not all up in their face, which for some other ways people are organized. Actually, I might feel too far away at the Mm -hmm. feet. They might want me really close to them. And that's another kind of healing experience. But this healing experience was for us to really feel her body Settle into the slowness and the patience, and that that itself, not physical touch, but this energetic touch of consent and slowness, was what actually her system needs to ground and feel a sense of healing.
0: Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, so the part about slowing down Mm -hmm. was exactly the medicine in a way, because all she had ever known before is. Fast mm-hmm. With little or no regard for her needs.
1: That's right. And Everybody else's needs, touching her for themselves, mm-hmm. not for her. And that's another important piece that this is really for them, not for us. Although, you know, when we touch, we're being touched, of course, as Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen says, but it's what is really going to be nourishing and beneficial for the client. I know that's probably something that's a given, but I think it's really something to really sit with as a, we hold ethics. Every moment, can we feel who is this serving?
0: Right. And with that, I want to mention that the therapist matters. So if your client is requesting something that does not feel good for you as a practitioner or healer or therapist, then you also have the right to say, no, I'm not ready to move on to touch, for example. You know, so you have the right not to. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> At any good time, point. you have the right not to. And if you do, you want to make sure that you are grounded and that your intentions are in service to the client.
1: And saying no, if you have an internal no, that is in service to the client because something's coming up for you and it's probably something that might come up for other people interacting with the client too Mm -hmm. because the relationship is kind of our petri dish of feeling into how is this beautiful client in front of us interacting with people in their life? How are people receiving our client? People come to us because they want to improve relationships. That's probably the number one reason people come to therapy. There's something that is not getting connected to or met and they're not be able to be as intimate as they want to be in their relationships with the people in their lives and of course with themselves as well. And that's what relational somatic healing is really about in many ways is helping people learn how to what are the new ways of being in relationship that'll serve them better, deepen relationships, create more intimacy, create safety, create connection. So we want to get to a place where we can In a loving, caring, non-shaming way, really share with people what we're noticing about how they're relating to us. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about kind of the nuts and bolts of getting to the place of ethical touch. So, of course, one of the big important things around safe ethical touch is good solid training. You know, there's lots of different kinds of trainings starting to blossom in the field of safe somatic touch, and that's awesome. Ours is one, but there's different ones too. And I just encourage you to, if it's something you're interested in, check out the different modalities and see what really resonates for you. But, you know, there's an organization, USABP, it's the Association of Body Psychiatry Psychotherapy and they have a great code of ethics. You can check out if you look at their website. And we love all of this kind of making this more professional so that it becomes more acceptable and noticed and a regular part of mainstream healing and psychotherapy. And in order to do that, we want to have good solid training. We want to support practitioners in learning about the ethics of touch, especially around consent. But we're just talking about verbal and nonverbal consent. And holding what is the internal state of the therapist is an important piece and also assessment. So we want to really sit with our clients and talk about touch. I always tell clients it does not have to happen in order for healing to happen. I really don't want there to be anything coercive happening around touch, but if it's something you're interested in, let's talk about what is your relationship to touch, what do you remember growing up around touch, what is cultural for you growing up in your family and your community around touch, how do you feel about touch in your life now, what comes up when I bring up the idea of touch in psychotherapy, are you getting touched now, do you get body work, do you have a partner, a pet, do you like to hug, all that stuff, really unpacking what are people's relationship, personal relationships to touch?
0: Including our own. So if you're a practitioner who's interested in making physical contact with your client or who you work with, then these are all inquiries that, mm-hmm. that we all should be doing That's right. too, to That's notice right. how are we personally relating to touch.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, it changes over time. We're in different stages of our life. Maybe we have a partner. Maybe we're going through a breakup. Maybe somebody just passed away. Maybe we have a new pet. You know, we have our own kind of cycles and connection to how we're relating to touch in our life as well. Mm-hmm. So for us to, and that's, that's some of that internal state stuff for us to really go inside, take a moment, say hi to ourselves on the inside, arrive. We want to invite the client to do that and we want to do it ourselves. And thinking about like another important piece of this is quality of touch. We want it to be mindful. We want to be embodied. We want to be grounded and centered and present in the moment, not kind of drifting off or I'm going to another place or maybe floating away. You know, it happens. It happens to all of us. These are all human conditions, and that's totally okay. And it's also okay to slow down and pause and, and speak to what's happening inside and take a moment to get back in our bodies, because if we're not in our own center, then we're not going to be able to offer safe ethical touch. So at Relational Somatic Healing, we're very excited about this model that we found around ethics, in psychotherapy and we're kind of using it as a model to think about safe ethical touch it's it's a chakra system model by this author kylea taylor she's also an lmft she works in the realm of ethics and psychedelics and psychotherapy and she wrote a beautiful book called the ethics of caring as a way to come back to your own center in different realms when you're thinking about ethics and she talks about this idea of pitfalls, which is a really kind of a cool visual to think about when you're thinking about ethics, because, you know, it can happen any time when we're working in the realm of psychotherapy or any kind of healing arts where we're doing great, we're walking around and we don't even see, but all of a sudden there's a hole in the ground and we fall into it. and that's the pitfall and we didn't even know it was there and she's offering this way of thinking about how to come back to our body how to come back to our energetic field as a way to get ourselves out of that hole in the ground
0: Mm.
1: And and I really recommend the book, The Ethics of Caring, if this is something that you're interested in learning more about. And I can just give a little tiny synopsis of how we're holding this beautiful model. So if you think about the chakra system, this beautiful ancient system, Ayurvedic system, thousands of years old from India, really one of our original somatic maps that is so relevant to us today. We'll go through the first few chakras really are what's most relevant to us in terms of touch and psychotherapy. So the first chakra at the root, the sacrum, the perineum part of our body is the chakra having to do with safety. She labels it as the money chakra, but she also says it can also be thought of as safety, which is sort of the realm we're more thinking about. Am I safe with this person? When issues of safety come up for the client or for ourselves, we want to invite the clinician to come back to that chakra, come back to your root. Take a moment and feel your root and notice from there what might fill off and how can you get back to center, get out of that hole in the ground. Maybe I can give some examples of uh, the chakra. So she's talking about, if you think about the chakra system, she has this beautiful map that she had drawn or drew, and it has the chakras in the middle, and on the left side, she talks about what are the fears coming up, and on the right side, she talks about what are the desires and longings. So if we're thinking about the first chakra and safety and how to get back into alignment on one side the fears could be fear of change and fear of being insufficient and I would add probably fear of being unsafe fear of death fear of fear of harm harm exactly and then on the right side the longings and desires are longing to embody spirit the need for safety a desire for security a longing for things to be unchangeable, or a desire for change, too. So both desire for security and desire for change are here in the realm of the first chakra and safety. So when any kind of themes come up in those realms, we can come back to center by coming back to that root. The second chakra, of course, is the sex chakra, and of course this is an important realm for us to always be monitoring Safe touch in psychotherapy does not include sexual touch. That's something that we have in our consent forms, something that we teach. And there's lots of debate around what is sexual touch and why. And, And I love these kind of debates. I think debating is really, really important and healthy. And I think that this is something that I personally feel is so important. Can we receive and give touch in a platonic way, in a loving, intimate, caring connected way that is not sexual there is so much healing available in that realm of safe touch that's not sexual but is still intimate i've had so many clients that that piece That was where the healing was for them. I have an old client who stuff would come up because there was sexual trauma and there was stuff that would come up around platonic friendships where they were always kind of vigilant. Is this going to stay platonic? They really wanted things to stay platonic. And there was fear in the system around things shifting out of platonicness into sexuality in places where they didn't want it to. And this was the realm we were working in to slow down and feel intimacy and connection where sex was not on the table and can we be totally like with each other and on a journey together and caring about each other loving each other where sex was not going to be happening touching but no sex and over time, they reported back that they were actually not worrying about that so much, that they could start to cuddle with their friends, be with their friends, feel connected to their friends, and not always be—that fear and vigilance was dissipating, and they didn't worry so much about that, kind of like surprising them out of nowhere. So that's, that's the second chakra. And she talks about these desires and fears, Her, what she names is fear of transformative energy. Fear of touching, fear of sexual contact. And then, or the longings are for regenerative energy. Sexual energy is creative energy. So longing for that. Longing for physical expression and connection and desires for physical touch and sexual contact. So to notice when that arises, we want to support people's life force energy. It's not going to happen in the room with us, but we want to support the possibility of that happening in a safe, consent-based way with people in their life. And then the third chakra, it's really the first three chakras and maybe the fourth, but the first three really are the ones that really support this ethical touch piece is power. So the third chakra is our solar plexus. It's the center of will and discipline. And it's this place where we have, where we can cultivate our personal power. And so power is a big thing to think about in the realm of psychotherapy and in the realm of touch and in the realm of healing. We're not here to have power over our clients. We're here to cultivate their personal power and support them and feeling their agency, support them in having, you know, effect in the world, support them in their no, even including saying no to us. Yes. As clinicians. Yes. Yeah. And so she talks about the fears around power, losing control, misusing power, or the fear of having no effect in the world. I love that she put that in there because that is an important, one of the reasons we go to therapy is how can we show up in the world in a way that feels good for us more and feel seen and heard and relating to the world. And she talks about longing to be a healer, the desire to control the client's process. That's a big pitfall we can get into, you know, and we're kind of directed as psychotherapists to create a treatment plan and to have these goals and sort of a direction that we want our client to go into. And it's really important to hold that lightly. What do yeah. you think about that?
0: Yeah, I want you to say more about mm-hmm. it. You know, how Rush is holding client autonomy mm-hmm. or or not. Right. Being,
1: yeah, so directive, right? Yeah, or yeah. not
0: feeling like we know what's
1: best that's all right. the time. That's right, that's yeah, right. So, yeah,
0: what, how yeah. does that show up in your work? How do you let clients know that that's not what we're doing? Yeah,
1: and a lot of clients don't like this, you know, yeah, because and that's why people love coaches, you know, that's what more of what coaches are doing, possibly not all, of course, coaches are doing a lot of different kinds of things, but there's this idea of directing the clients to direct the healing and to heal them, and that's not ever actually what we're doing. We're not here to heal our clients. We're here to midwife the process of healing that's already innately inside of them. We're holding clients as whole and complete and that there might be wounds and trauma that's covering up some of that wholeness. And we want to help support moving that away so that we can come back to the full wholeness that is already existing in the client. And so that means not necessarily leading. It might be sometimes someone's having a trauma response or something, and in a really unregulated state, we can support them coming back and do that in a more directive way. But most of the time, we're trusting what we call organicity, this innate healing that exists in all living beings, plants, animals, minerals. Of course, we're in the animal family that there is an innate propensity towards healing that can happen with the right circumstances. You know, the right soil, the right nutrients, the sun, water, all of that. We're just here to midwife, all of the circumstances being in the positive so that the healing itself can unfold.
0: Yeah. And I want to add that it doesn't mean that we're not with our clients, that we're somehow absent at all. Our intention actually is to be really with our clients in the moment of whatever experience they have. So we're, we're holding their resilience and their life force energy and that with the right space, with safety and spaciousness, that they'll start to remember that inside of themselves, their body. Bodies will start to soften and unravel mm-hmm. in the time that is right for them and we are collaborating with them to create this safe nourishing space so we're really here with our client we are on the floor with them but we're trusting the process at the same time right so there's there it really is an art and it's Yeah, it's a science and an art. That's right. It
1: really is. Yes, and you're right, because not directing the process doesn't mean we're gone. It means that we're building healthy relationship. The healing is in building a healthy relationship that is connected and deep and intimate, and we're right there with them, receiving them, noticing what's happening, and staying in healthy connection. A healthy connection doesn't mean merging. It means warm, loving boundaries and connection and caring and loving energy with them and really staying with them, not going away, but noticing like what is the sweet spot between space and connection and safety that the client's needing in this moment that might've been missing. So in closing, just to recap, I wanna say that, Touch and psychotherapy is only healing if it's done in integrity with strong, solid ethics. That—that That is the underpinnings of what is the healing experience of touch and psychotherapy. And we're dedicated to bringing the ethics of touch, good, solid training, staying in our internal state, staying connected to ourselves, keeping it professional, keeping it clinical, and ending the stigma of touch and psychotherapy.
0: And relational somatic healing does offer an ethics of touch class that is an important part of our curriculum, and it's a prerequisite to our touch trainings. Mm-hmm. And in addition to it being a stand-alone class, it's also interwoven in everything in all our classes.
1: That's right. Yeah, it's interwoven in all of our training. We do a separate class, but everything that we teach, whether it's the orientation that is standalone without the touch, beyond detachment. When we're in the realm of the touch itself, we're always holding that the ethics are a part of the healing and a part of what we're doing.
0: And it's an ongoing conversation. It's an ongoing exploration. In Rush, we really want to create safety among us practitioners so that when we have questions about something, because not everything is black and white. There's a lot of gray area. And so we want to make sure we have a very safe community so that we all can come to each other about our questions, our concerns, about our counter-transference, about something we didn't feel comfortable with. If this is just taboo, then no one shares. That's right. Then no one talks. It's just shame.
1: That's right. And
0: problems happen when no one talks and we're in shame. So if we can build this open, safe community, Community for each other as practitioners, it's so healing for us too. And we really get to support each other in our growth.
1: I'm so glad you said that. That is really the missing piece of, of what I said. I, the community support is a huge piece, part of the equation of ethical touch and ethics and psychotherapy period. Continue to do consultation with each other, continue to you know go to supervision, whatever it is, stay connected to community, feel yourself, notice if shame comes up, But come back to yourself, come back to honesty, authenticity, your integrity. It's all needs to be supported by community, by the web of life. Yeah. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And we really offer our students like we're available. We want to be here for you. If things come up and you want to check in with us, we want to always be available for that.
0: Yeah. And there's ongoing groups
1: practice groups. Uh, There's
0: ongoing practice groups. There's drop-in consultations Mm -hmm. with Shirley. So yeah, there's a lot of ways to stay connected to our community so we can all support each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So
0: thank you so much, Erica. That was awesome.
1: Thank you. It was really fun. Thank
0: you so much for listening to Therapy and the Body. To get in touch with me about trainings, interviews, or private sessions, visit my website at LouJacksonTherapy.com. Lou is spelt with an L-U.